Hello and welcome. You've tuned in to the School of Ministry podcast. Paul is your Bible teacher today. If you have questions you would like addressed, let us know. Maybe you have a need in your life and want to know how the Bible gives answers that apply to us today. Feel free to contact us. Now enjoy the lesson. So if you can tell a person by what they say, if you listen long enough. You might not catch it the first time. You might not catch it right away. By the way, do you know that on an average day you speak 18,000 words? Women even use more. So that's the average. Men speak a little less, women a little bit more. Women tend to be a little more verbal, able to articulate certain things. But if you were to put that into the form of a book, it would give you 54 pages every day. Every day you're making a 54-page book. In other words, one-fifth of your entire life you're speaking. Imagine that. So now, if you offend with your mouth, James, a little bit later in chapter 3, he talks about those offend not with his mouth, the same as a perfect man. In other words, he's learned to bridle his tongue. He's learned how to control that. If we examine what what kind of words are we putting into our book every single day? What James is talking about is that unbridled tongue that is completely out of control. That's why Jesus in, in Matthew 12, 37 says, By your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Why? It's because the words reveal the heart. Here's a person who's outwardly religious, but he has an unholy heart. People can and do spend their life in a religion that's absolutely useless. It's futile. It means nothing. Religion does not transform your heart. Jesus transforms your heart. You must be born again. The first thing James wants us to know is that the proper reaction to the word is to receive the word. Jesus is the word. Apply the word without deception. Look at it. Look at it clearly. Let it expose ourselves. Put the word to work in your life. You'll see the reality of your faith and you'll not be deceived. You can see that it's controlling you. It's causing you a different lifestyle. It's causing you to show the life of a regenerated person. It's going to be evident. It's a restrainer. It's a controller of the heart. And the second thing that James says, and this is very important, the proper reaction to the word not only means we apply it without deception, not just outwardly, but from the heart. Secondly, that proper reaction to the word means that it's a willingness to apply it without selfishness. Look at verse 27. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. Pure religion clean that's the real thing the undefiled the unstained before god and the father is that you visit the orphans and the widows in their philipsis their trouble their trials their tribulations so true religion kind of is summed up in a single word true religion is demonstrating love it's demonstrating compassion that's what it's summed up as it's love it's pure. Pure is the word that is the idea of being clean. Our motives are clean. Undefiled is the word unstained. They're synonyms. They just point out that this is the purest kind of worship. 
the purest kind of religion. It isn't something that you do on the outside. It's coming from your heart. It's coming from within. Didn't Jesus say in John 13, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. Furthermore, look what he says, with pure religion, undefiled before God and the Father. That is, in God's evaluation, pure religion by God's standard, as he evaluates it, when judged by the divine measuring rod, on that basis, he's looking at the outward activity and measuring it by our heart of the inward love. So you see, the genuineness of anybody's religion is not determined by your own opinion. It's determined by the opinion of God. It's determined by what God is going to say. A man might think himself to be religious, but what does God say about you? What is he saying? He's the one who makes the decision. God says you are genuinely religious in the true sense of the word when your life is marked by obedience and your life is marked by the love that is spurring you on. What does it mean, the word to visit? That means more than just go by and say, Hi, how you doing? Just wanted to check. It has the aura of care that's built around it. It carries the idea of bringing love, bringing pity, bringing sympathy, bringing help. It's used in the concept of Matthew 25 when Jesus had been speaking of the sheep and the goats. And then later he just says, When I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. Doesn't mean that you came by and you waved and said, hi, how are you doing? It means that you came, you nurtured, you cared, you loved, you provided what was needed. And he repeats that verse in verse 43, repeats that same thing in Matthew 25, 43. It's the idea of reaching out, of loving, of caring service to someone. So he's back to a very essential, common New Testament truth and you can go through and you can look at James James talks about that if you say that you love but you do not have love for one another your love for God is in vain so point number one is obedience to the word point number two is that we love others and he picks out orphans and widows to visit the orphan and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world Orphans and widows are a segment of the population, maybe even within the church, that need our compassion. The need, as the tongue is not comprehensive and, and indicative of our Christianity, the tongue only reveals the heart. So widows and orphans are not comprehensively indicative of our Christianity. In other words, just because he's used that term, it doesn't mean that we only look to them, but we're going to use that as a gauge, as a representative of the issue of our love. Just as the tongue represents the issue of a pure heart, God has always been concerned for the fatherless and the widows. There were many, many laws of the Old Testament that spoke for widows and for orphans. In Exodus 22, 22, they were told that they could not afflict a widow or a fatherless child. In Deuteronomy 14, 28 and 29, every third year, there was a special tithe that went to support and to help the widows and orphans. And then in Deuteronomy 24, 17 through 22, 
there was a system for gleaning so that when crops were taken in, so the widows and the orphans could have a share of the harvest. Deuteronomy 27, 19, God demands justice for the widow and justice for the orphan. Why? Because God is a father to the fatherless and the judge of the widows. God has a special category for people that are in great need, such as orphans, such as widows. They fall into that category. Now understand this. True Christianity is manifested from a pure heart by the way that we talk and the course of our action, the course of our life, and he uses the speech as the emblem of that. True Christianity is also made up that we love those people who are in need. Not how we love people we like. <laughs> Understand the difference? It's not just because we like these people. It's a question of biblical love that goes beyond the people that maybe you were attracted to because of some personality trait or, or something, something that you have in common. But looking to those people that cannot repay you, that are the downcast. It's amazing when you look at truly Christian nations how they have taken care of the orphans, how they've taken care of the widows, how they've taken care of the sick and the downtrodden. It's an amazing thing because that's what true Christianity shows itself, how it evolves. In 1 John chapter 4, he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for God is of love, and everyone that loves is born of God and knoweth God. And he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. So love ought to characterize our lives. Love should be the manifestation of our salvation. And when we see people who are lonely, when we see people that are going through trials and troubles, and that could mean loneliness, it could mean that they've been exploited, it could mean that there is some great need, if your heart doesn't reach out, maybe we need to do some kind of internal investigation. Maybe we need to look at ourselves. If we don't reach out in love and affection and desire to serve, even though our resources may be very limited, then it's an indication that there's no regenerate life there. If we can just go on and say, oh, never mind them. See, the unbeliever is monumentally committed to his own self-glory and self-indulgence. The redeemed heart reaches out to others, reaches out because of a heart of love. So what is the proper reaction to the word? The proper reception is to bring the word in and with an eagerness to submit to it, to bringing it in with purity after the heart has been cleansed, to bring it in with humility. And what is the proper reaction to that reception? It's to live out the word without deception to live out the word without selfishness. That's the mark of a true believer. He is wanting to serve our Lord Jesus Christ by helping others to show his love for the Lord. And finally, the proper reaction to the word involves a willingness to apply it without compromise. That's the end of verse 27. He's also talking about pure and undefiled religion and he says, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. What does that mean? To keep yourself unspotted. 
We're living in this world. We live in this culture. We live, we understand the lifestyle around it. The stuff, the world, its philosophy, its morality, its ethics, or lack of them. He says to keep yourself is in the present tense continuously. The verb means that it's going to go on and on. You continually keep yourself unspotted. We're watching out always. Now that doesn't mean that we're not going to go to the grocery store. Doesn't mean that we're not going to go buy clothes. But we don't buy into the philosophy of the world. We don't buy into its cultures. We're not impacted by their life that governs their behavior. They do go through life on a day-by-day -day basis. We have to. James is saying pure religion belongs to people who show inner control that manifest that in their speech. They show a love for people in need. They stay away from those stained by the culture that have bought into this satanic philosophy. That's how the Christian lives. And let me quickly say, I look at my life and I'm saying, well, I don't know. I mean, sometimes my mouth says things that it shouldn't say. Maybe that's what you're examining. Maybe that you're thinking about that. Brother Paul, sometimes I just don't do all of those things. Sometimes I know there are people around me that are of great need and I haven't demonstrated any kind of loving compassion. Sometimes I know I get hooked into this world's philosophy. But my answer to that is to discover when that's happened, what's your reaction? If your reaction is, I want more of this world, I want more of the stuff, then maybe you're on the wrong wavelength. If you see it and it moves you to a different lifestyle, then that's the regenerated life coming out. If you see that and you say, I just hate that in me, I hate when that happens, that's a mark of a true Christian. You see, it's not our perfection that proves our salvation. It's our reactions to our imperfections. You just look at the normal pattern of life. Is the normal pattern of life as if you look at your own heart and your tongue that speaks good things, pure things, upright things, honorable things, honest things, clean things? We begin to do inventory. Have we been too much in the flesh? Have we bought too much into this world? We want to have a life that is marked as the transformed life. That even if we fall down, even if we fail and we go back into that, there's still something that we hate about it. So the doer of the word is then proven in at least three areas that we've looked at. Self, relation to self, relation to others, and relation to the world. You do a little inventory like this. And I like to, when I lay down and I look at my day, I look at my 18,000 words, I pick up my 54-page book, and I begin to see that I give God honor and glory today. Did I do it out of a heart of love? Was I moved out of doing things for the right? That's my viewpoint. I want to see, is the water sweet or was the water bitter? Was the tree good or was the tree corrupt? What's happening? What's flowing from my heart? A doer of the word is self-expressing the reality of his life and taking inventory to see that he's meeting the needs of others, that he's reaching out. So pure religion, James says, is very different from the external, from the elaborate, from the mere talk reality. 
James says pure religion is a matter of holy obedience. We talked about that last week. It's a measured by doing one thing. It's measured before God and the Father. Notice it says. You see, he's speaking of God's sovereignty. And as the Father, he's speaking of his loving relationship to us. He's showing that in all. Our God is the controlling triune God and the loving Father is the one who sets the standard. And yet we can come to him in love. What John said, whosoever is born of God does not continue. The idea is habitually in sin, does not continue in sin, for his seed remaineth in him and he cannot sin. So look at your life. Is it a pattern of holy obedience? Am I a doer of the word? Is just outside? Is it only for show? Or is it inside because the Holy Spirit is working, convicting, drawing us, perfecting us, moving us day by day so that the outward new life is being manifest. It's being shown through our tongue. It's being th shown through our actions. How do you respond to the word? True faith is a belief that behaves. I'm just going to close out and just ask very simply, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you taken into account and, and done an inventory? You said, oh, I know I'm a Christian. But is God continuing to bring forth the evidence of the new life? There ought to be evidence. If you're a child of God, that's what James has been saying. It ought to be shown. It's seen. People see something different in you. They see a love because you love God, for He first loved us. So many people are religious and counting on their religious background. Don't do that. I want to know if you know Christ as Savior. Are you sure that you know that you have been born again, that you have trusted Christ and Christ alone? It's not all the religion. It's not what you do. It's not all this other. It's your crying out and asking Him to save you, to bring you into a right relation through the blood of the Lamb who died for you so that you could have eternal life. This has all been, and James, as we've looked at this, it's all been a test so you can know if your faith is genuine, if you're really a Christian. You don't want to miss it by just that much. How often did Jesus speak to the disciples and those around of others that had missed the kingdom by just so much. You want to be there. This world is falling headlong into trouble and I don't think we have long for this world. Do you know where you're going? At the moment of death, do you know where you're going? Is your life evident of that? You can know right now, you can be sure and trust right now by knowing Christ as your Lord and Savior and then he begins to change your want to he changes your life it's a wonderful day by day it's sometimes a struggle it's a warfare I admit it, it, it it's difficult but day by day it's God who does it in you and he begins to manifest it on the outside and he's showing there's something that you could be doing for the Lord today if you're a child of God maybe you can't get out but you can pray you can be a prayer warrior. There's going to be a very special place for many, many people on high. Many people, we don't see their outward reaction, 
but they've gone to the throne of God on behalf of others, on behalf of so many needs, they're gonna have a great reward. Don't think that your place, well, it ha it, it's not much, not much I can do. God recognizes and he evaluates our hearts. Won't you today just know him as Lord and Savior and allow him then to have his perfect work in your life and heart. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the message. We trust you've been encouraged, challenged, or generally built up spiritually. If this lesson has sparked questions or perhaps you have questions on a different topic, let us know. Our information is given on the website or can reach us at sclofministry at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Tombstone said he is risen just as he said. Quickly now go tell his disciples that Jesus Christ is no longer dead.